Hi, everyone. It is season two of the Let It Be podcast. I'm your host, Becky Sigenfus. Join my friends and me as we share conversations about little things, big things, all the things. This is your time. So whatever you have to do, let it go, let it wait, let it be. friends. Welcome back to the Let It Be podcast. We are officially deep into season two and I have had so much fun having conversations with some of my friends with just the most amazing stories. And with me today, you actually have heard from her when she was a guest host back in season one, but I have my friend Brandis Rosander here today and she has an unbelievable story. And I like to say that she has found grace through the grit. So she's going to share just so many amazing things that God has done in her life and through her and some real challenges that she has faced along the way. But I'm so glad that she is here and she is one of my dearest and was one of my fastest friends, I will say too. So Brandis, welcome to the Let It Be podcast. Thank you so much. I am so excited to be here. I always feel so special and official when I have on these headphones and mic up here against (laughs) my lips. It's just such a blast. Yeah, it makes it professional. Yeah. <laughs> For my little one, one person gig. <laughs> I'll call it a studio. Yeah. Yes, it is a studio. Yeah. It's a multi-purpose room. That's right. Uh, well, I love our story and some people have heard it in, in the past. I know that you have shared from the stage at our church, some of your story, mm-hmm. but I want you to share how you kind of found our church. Cause that's how we found each other. And I just told you before we started recording that I have been so blessed that God has given me what I call fast friends in different seasons of life. And they've almost been just gifts that God has dropped in my path. And you were one of those. I felt like as soon as we met, we just connected really quickly on a personal level and then just our hearts for ministry and women and um, all mm-hmm. the love that we share that has kind yeah. of united us in ministry too. So why don't you just tell us a little bit about how we met and how we found each other. <laughs> so I'll start by just saying um, you were absolutely one of my fastest friends too. We moved to Cincinnati in 2015 we being my husband and our two kids at the time. And when we moved here, we, it was new for all of us. And one of the things that we wanted to do was plug in, figure out a church family, find activities for the kids. And I will tell you the hardest thing for us was finding a church. Mm -hmm. And a lot of that had to do with each of our backgrounds. I came from a faith background. My husband, our two kids did not. And so finding a church that met us each at where Mm. we were at was really hard. So we bounced around. We visited many church multiple times and just could never really find a a spot. Mm -hmm. And through some really, really hard times in life um, in that first year or so, I realized I was just struggling. And a part of that was because I didn't have a church family here. Mm. And luckily, right at that time, our neighbor, mm-hmm. who happened to be um, Sarah, she went to high school with you, yeah. said, you know what? A friend of ours is starting a church in Blue Ash. You should go check it out. And so we did. And all of us, after that first time, just said, this is it. And um, it was just so amazing. It really felt good. And there were many stories around how then we felt reinforced by that over the coming months after we made the decision. But it was definitely just 
fate at that time. Yeah. I love, I have chills right now just hearing that again, because, you know, when you're sitting in high school, I mean, Sarah, my goodness, we had probability and statistics. And then we sat together at our senior lunch table and, and that's kind of how we became really good friends. But I mean, you know, high school passes and you go your separate way for college. And honestly, it was social media that has really, you know, a tool can be good and a tool can be bad. Mm -hmm. And it really reconnected me with so many of my high school friends. And, and then I was shocked at like how many of my high school friends are deeply involved in churches and, Mm -hmm. and their faith is just grown and blossomed and some of them are in ministry and it's like you just never would guess when you're in those high school years at how the Lord would direct you down different roads Uh, but just so it just goes to prove that God is in the details Mm -hmm. of our lives that Sarah and I were friends in high school had not spoken in decades decades. Mm -hmm. and then you show up at the time our church was called Passion it's not now called All Church but you show up and you're like, oh yeah, my friend Sarah lives behind me and you guys went to high school together and she said we should check it out. I, just amazing, yeah, really, is. how all of this has been interwoven yeah. from Robin Stats class yeah. our senior year. Totally. <laughs> I mean, I'm a huge believer in, you know, just personal connections and yeah. how that can shape your story. And I certainly am thankful for her as a friend and yeah. for how she ended up introducing us. And now we're close friends too. I so so I, cool. yeah, I agree. Well, you have an amazing story and I have told you over and over again that you are probably one of my most high capacity friends because you do quite literally all the things. Mm-hmm. And yet you have faced maybe more challenges than a lot of my friends have in, in your entire path. You've moved a lot. You had a very unique way of how God led you to your husband. Mm -hmm. That marriage brought things that were probably not expected when you were a little girl dreaming about what that would look like. So we'll get into that. And then you've had a lot of loss too. Mm -hmm. So, but yet always, 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 you have just been filled with joy. Mm -hmm. And I never see the weight of the world on your shoulders. So that is amazing. I want to unpack that. Yeah. I want you to tell us how you can be filled with so much joy when you have really faced some struggles. Along well, the way. I'll tell my story. I am a math type girl, so I always like to go chronologically. Yeah. And then you can just stop me along the way when you hear something that's fun. Yeah. And I know that numbers have meant a lot to you and have, have. played significant roles. Mm-hmm. So I want to make sure that we hit those as well. Yeah. So yeah, kind of give us a background of, you know, you already mentioned that you came from a faith background. I did. You don't have to give it, take us back to year one, but. I'll give you, yep. So I grew up in Missouri. I grew up on a cattle ranch in a small town. I went to K through 12 with the same 30 kids. And I went to a one room church with extended family members um, my whole life, you know, mm-hmm. and I am so thankful for that experience because I got so many cool experiences being on a farm and being in a small town that are so much of who I am today. Mm -hmm. And um, from that, you know, I decided that I was done with the small town thing. And I went to the University of Missouri, which was only three hours away from my hometown, but I felt like it was big. Mm -hmm. And what I loved about it was the opportunity. And so I cheered in college, which has been a big part of my story. Mm-hmm. And I was an agricultural major because it tied me close to my roots. 
And I also joined a sorority. And all of those experiences really led me to um, one opportunity, which was my internship with PNG, which has now become my career. Mm-hmm. And I will tell you that I that was my first move. I went to Fayetteville, Arkansas, and I did my internship and learned a lot about myself that summer. And then I accepted a second internship with them and came here to Cincinnati to the headquarters, learned a lot about myself again, and accepted a full-time offer with them. And I thought, you know, this is a Midwest company. Mm -hmm. I'm going to stay in the Midwest and I'll be close to my family. And then I got the call that my full-time offer was actually in Seattle, Washington. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) And you know that people like the Midwest. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And you know that people understand how Midwest you are when the guy who offered me my job told me to go sit down at a computer and pull up a map of the United States <laughs> and go up from where I was and over to the furthest left point that I could go. And that's where I was going to be living. So I always remember that photographically in my head because it was just such a fun moment. <laughs> but it ended up being such an amazing experience for me and for my family. And so um, I moved to Seattle in 2008 and started my career. And I really spent the first two years just getting good at my job, meeting new friends in a new city and state and um, plugging into a church and had a good fortune of finding an awesome church and a really good friend that I served with. I served in the children's ministry there. I loved it so much and it just really helped me feel stable, kind of like a stool. If I had work and I had good friends and I had my faith family, then I felt really stable. And I knew I was only going to be in Seattle for about two years and then P&G would move me. It's kind of part of our sales career path. But um, at two years, they promoted me and kept me in Seattle. So I took that moment to just say, what is it in my life that I want to do mm-hmm. more? Mm-hmm. And I got back to my love for cheer. Mm-hmm. And so I tried out for the Seahawks cheer team and cheer dance team and made it. Yeah. And that ended up being such a you know wonderful experience for me. I was working in sales by day and then on the weekends and then the nights I was cheering mm-hmm. and having just such a good time. And so when you cheer, you cheer at home games. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to also just experience football as a fan yeah. and go see other cheer teams. And so I decided to start going to away games. And one I chose was in Chicago. My sorority sister was there and... So I hop on the plane and I'm sitting there and in true Brandis fashion, I'm packing as much into my day as possible. Right. I come straight from work to the airport. I, you know, get ready in the bathroom at the airport, all the crazy things. And so anyway, I'm finally sitting on the plane and I see this giant handsome man come on and I recognize him right away. And then I watch and he's walking and he's walking and he's walking. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, he's going to sit next to me. <laughs> but he cut in the row right in front of me and sat in the seat right in front of me. And I thought, well, this is not going to be very easy <laughs> to start a combo. So I thought in, if it's supposed to be something, it will mean at the end of the flight, he'll wait for me in Chicago and we'll maybe spy, spark a conversation. So we get to Chicago and... I get off the plane and he's nowhere in sight. Mm. So I and hop. He's a, he's a big dude. Big dude. Yeah. <laughs> six, six, three, two fifty. He's definitely noticeable. Yeah. And I, um, so I get to the baggage claim, grab my bag, hop in the car with my friend. And I'm like, Hey, I just saw this really handsome guy. He was noticeable. And my friend's like, cool. And off we went. Yeah. So fast forward, 
on Sunday before the game, we're at Soldier Field, which is this long field um, and tailgating and just having fun and walking. And we walk along a path and all of a sudden this giant man (laughs) steps out in front of me and says, hey, you're the girl behind me on the plane. And I was shocked. And so immediately, you know, you have those moments where it's like the world disappears around you. Mm -hmm. It was kind of like that. And we were just chatting and having fun and we're talking for a little bit. And then someone interrupted us and the conversation just went, you know, in a different way. And I joined, you know, rejoined my group of friends. And so I tell her, I said, Hey, I just ran into that guy again. And so then she's hitting me on the head being like, why are you over here? You should be over there. And so I just brushed it off and we went into the game and it ended up being one of these crazy days in December in Chicago. It was 60 degrees. It it went into overtime. The Seahawks won. It was a blast. And out of the stadium as we're, you know, exiting, we're trying to find a cab and we run into him again on the street corner. And so my friend is like, you have to talk to him. So we chat again and he goes, Hey, I just think we should go on a date when we get back in Seattle. And I was like, if you can be creative and text me something that's noticeable and you know, all this, I'm playing hard to get, which is also true. <laughs> yeah, I'll go, but here, let me give you some, yeah, sure. Some ground rules. Yeah. So, um, so anyway, he texted me a funny message. I remember receiving it when I got to the airport. And then when we got back to Seattle, um, this whole journey started with us and, So I went into work. I told my boss, I met this guy, don't know a lot about him, but he's special. And she looked at me and said, you are absolutely crazy. So I went on the first date and it was everything you would want it to be. And I went into work the next day and I said, that man that I said that was special, he's going to be my husband. She looked at me and said, you are absolutely (laughs) crazy. And then three days later, she told me I was moving to Charlotte, North Carolina for my new position with work. Uh. So I go out of the office and I ask Jay, my husband now, Uh if we can go on a date. And so on our third date, I say, how do you feel about long distance? And he's like, you know, maybe it could work Portland or, you know, what are we talking here? And I said, Charlotte, North Carolina. And (laughs) he said, we could give it a try. And I just love that because it is so much my husband. He's Uh always open to, you know, try new things and to give everything all he's got. So we ended up dating long distance for two years. And, uh, but the one piece I think before I get there is he has two daughters Yeah, and they have, you know, obviously been and become such a big part of my life. But before I moved, we spent three months and I got to know them so well. And the best part of all of this is usually you get to fall in love with one person and I uniquely got to fall in love with three. And so after the three months of, you know, preparing to move and all of this, I got to know Jay so well and the girls so well. And then we, you know, basically moved and did this long distance thing as a family, Mm -hmm. traveling back and forth every few weeks, doing, you know, FaceTimes and all those things just to keep us connected. And we knew we needed to get a plan to get back together. Mm-hmm. So that ultimately led us to here. We looked for, you know, best experience for our family, best experience for my career. And we came to Cincinnati and it has been such an incredible chapter for us. Um, our girls love it here. We love it. We love the people that we've met and, you know, all of the different groups of friends that we've been able to surround ourselves with. So yeah, really happy here. There's a very important detail in that story that you've left out. Oh. And that is that 
the girls had lost their mom. Yes. So this wasn't, there are lots of blended families, mm-hmm. but this was unique because they were young, you were young, Jay is young, and they had lost their mom to cancer. Yep. So, so it wasn't just a typical blending. Right. But you were taking on these girls, I mean, in some ways as, as your own. Yes. In many um, ways. Yeah. She passed away of a rare form of breast cancer and you would never, ever want that to happen to anyone. Mm-hmm. Um, fortunately for me, I got, you know, to know the girls through my relationship with Jay, but really, I mean, I delicately did step into that role, mm-hmm. um, but it was instant. And one thing that I really like to think of is sometimes when you're blending families, you you make a choice. And for whatever reason, for me at that point in time, it just happened naturally. It didn't even feel like a choice at all. I mean, it was, I loved Jay and Vanessa and Brooke were a part of that. And this horrible situation happened with their mom. But I knew that if we just surrounded the whole thing with love, it would all, you know, be okay. I have been so amazed watching that because we met, I mean, pretty quickly Mm -hmm. after you guys moved here. Right. And to see I never, ever in a million years when I first met you would have guessed that those weren't your biological girls. Yeah, thanks. Because there's just such a tenderness between, it, vice versa, between you and them and then toward the, from those girls toward you. It, 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 I really think that's just been God's hand yeah. of knitting your hearts together through unbelievable circumstances mm-hmm. that, like you said, you would never want for for anyone to go through, especially these girls who are so young. Yeah, they're they're really easy girls to love for sure. And I think, you know, when I saw them at the ages that they were at six and eight, and then I reflected on my relationship with my mom and how much it has meant to me, it just immediately, you know, felt like a very natural connection. Yeah. I wanted to show them the world. I wanted to do all the girly things with them Mm -hmm. and I wanted to braid their hair and I wanted them to play sports and get tough and I wanted to help them navigate, you know, relationships and it just all of a sudden just became this really natural and fun Mm -hmm. thing ahead of me. Um, And so it has been all of that and so much more. It's been really sweet to watch your mom with them as well, because I know your mom, I've gotten Mm -hmm. to know her and same thing. Mm -hmm. I mean, you would just think that they had been her grandbabies from day one. Yep. So, well, and we look back at pictures too and, you know, just the growth now over the many years, it's like, it's almost as if they've been, you know, part of our family forever. Yeah. yeah. So, so that is a very beautiful part of your story and it, it led you to here and you guys settled here and Jay kind of goes cross country because he's still got a business out in Seattle, which that also is unfathomable to me to see how you guys manage all of that. But I remember I was at, I was at our local mall (laughs) when you called me Mm -hmm. with some devastating news. Yep. And I remember thinking, I honestly, Brandis, remember feeling honored that you, because we were new friends Mm -hmm. and I remember feeling honored that you felt close enough to me yep. to call me. Yep. So um, after we got here, we moved in the summer. And that following fall, I got a call from my mom that my dad had had a, had a massive heart attack. And 
So I immediately hop on a plane and I get there. And in the meantime, he had been transferred from the local hospital to an institute And they had done a procedure just to try to, you know, sustain him because it was so bad he needed a transplant. Mm -hmm. And when I got there, you could definitely feel the weight of the situation and how serious it was. But it was you're going to be in the cardiac ICU for a while Mm -hmm. until a transplant's available. And so um, I ended up staying there with him for, you know, at that point it was I'm staying until we figure this out. Mm -hmm. And so we spent, you know, many days, hours, weeks, months, whatever it ended up being, but just being together and, you know, helping him get through each and every day because it was certainly a journey in there. And uh, what I'll say is, I mean, it was two weeks in there and he had found out he had a challenge with the blood thinner needed at the same time that I found out I was pregnant. Mm And so again, I think there's just always so much in life where there are things that are happening that are not so good and things that are happening that are good. And it's really your choice of how you're going to view it and handle it. And so at that time, we just anchored to the fact that, you know, I was pregnant and there was something to look forward to. And so we read our Bible and we talked and did all those things. And uh, those moments honestly were so precious to me. I look back at them all the time and just think about how I appreciate that quality time I got to spend. Mm-hmm. And um, so then a few weeks later, he started to go downhill pretty quickly. And it was on my 30th birthday. I remember because we were all in the waiting room uh, spending time as a family. And um, really the doctors were going to do this Hail Mary sur- surgery to put an LVAD in to run his heart because the transplant wasn't looking viable and uh, he was just not in a good place. So he ended up surviving because he was strong and a survivor. And, um, and so then we started the journey of recovery and for every day you're down, it's two days until you're up. And so it was just a tough, tough road. Um, but he got stronger and, um, about after about two months, I came back to Cincinnati. He was getting better. He was recovering. Mom was good enough to be able to, you know, be there with him. And so I come back here and, you know, here I am along my journey of pregnancy and, um, I go to our 20 week appointment and Jay and I just got some not so awesome news and you could feel that it was serious, but the doctor comes in and says, lots of red flags. You need to go to the high-risk doctor tomorrow. Go to the high-risk doctor. They confirmed the diagnosis and said, you need to go to the genetic specialist and the genetic counselor at Children's. And so we go, and it's this you know rare thing. You can't even Google it and find it. And, um, and all of the outlooks are all the same. And so... At, you know, five and a half months pregnant, our baby girl, Hallie, went to heaven. And and that was just such a, like, my whole body just kind of shakes when I talk about it. But it was just such a loss. It had been our hope. And then it was just shattered. And so, again, positive of my dad getting better and then negative of a loss. And so... um all the things that doctors tell you, you need six months for your body to recover. I was emotionally trying to recover. We were spiritually trying to, at that point in time, like get settled in the church. And, um, and it was just a lot. And so in true fashion, which is just kind of my 
normal position, I just decided to say, I don't know what is happening, but I'm just going to trust that it's all part of the plan. And so six months go by, dad's getting better. He's getting ready to get back on the transplant list. We find out we're pregnant. And I remember on September 26th, I called and told, um, you know, my parents, hey, we're pregnant. And then on September 30th, my dad had a brain aneurysm and passed away. And so there was just always, you know, so much of this mixture of, you know, happy, sad and everything. And so I hopped in the car with Jay and the girls and we drove to Missouri and I spent eight hours just crying and writing out all of these messages of, you know, these memories of my dad, what I wanted to tell him, um, and, you know, verses that I felt like would make him feel peaceful. And I asked my mom, I said, please keep him on life support till I get there. And it was a beautiful moment because when I got there, the whole waiting room was packed. And now this is pre-COVID, so you can't, it's hard to even imagine what a packed room feels like, but packed with family and friends. I don't even know 50 people that had come to the hospital to surround our family. And so I went in, my brothers and I were able to talk to him and he was on life support. So it's not like he could hear, but we got to say our piece. And then, you know, group by group, people came in and shared these experiences of my dad through life. Um, Funny stories, Mm -hmm. (laughs) sad stories, great stories. And we sang hymns Mm -hmm. and sent him to heaven. And I know this sounds crazy, but as we talked about the significance of numbers, the first time that dad went into the hospital was 930. And the day he had his aneurysm was 930 a year later. And when they pulled him off life support and called the time of death, it was 930. Mm. And I kind of chuckled to myself, which it seems so dark to do. But that's exactly my dad. He would have been like, you cannot forget me. I gave you a very like clear sign, 930, 930, 930. And um, so anyway, it's just kind of a, a unique symbol. Yeah. Um, he was the one who taught me math. He was the one who always had these fun little things for me to remember math or to do quick math. And so I just kind of felt like it was him giving me a wink. And so um, that was kind of a nice pick-me-up. <laughs> yeah. Brandis, how, how have you, what would you tell someone how you can continue to have joy? Because that's a lot in a very short amount of time. It definitely feels like that season was a fog. Um, but I, I anchor to two things that my daddy always said, actually. And one is don't look back and one is onward and upward. And I think that sometimes whenever we're sad, you know, we just want to feel like, oh, poor me. But there is so much um, promise in just going forward. Mm -hmm. And, um, And I will tell you, since all of that was kind of wrapped into one, The thing that I feel like people don't talk a lot about is, you know, losing, especially a baby. It's just such an intimate thing. um, And a lot of people don't understand it. So a lot of people don't talk about it. But when I 
experience that the love that I received from my family and friends was incredible. And, um, and one of the things that people got me was some jewelry and specifically my friend Madeline, who I cheered with in Charlotte, she sent me a necklace with the verse 1 Corinthians 12, 9 on it. And it says, you know, my power is made perfect in your weakness. Mm-hmm. And um, and I actually, I don't want to butcher it, so let me read it exactly. Um, it says, pull it up. My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in your weakness. Therefore, I will boast all more gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power may rest for me. And I love that because it's, it's my grace is sufficient for you because my power is made perfect in your weakness. And that's a promise. But then it says, therefore, I will boast. And here comes the action more gladly about my weakness. And so I just really felt like, you know, when people were asking me how I was, if I wasn't feeling awesome, I just shared that, Mm. you know, and then they could meet me there. Or if I was feeling mad or sad or whatever it was, I allowed people to go along with me and I really feel like, you know, God met me and my friends and family were able to meet me and that's really what helped me get through it. It's also a testament because I'm sure your mom is going to be listening to this, Mm -hmm. but a testament to your dad's legacy, the foundation that they laid for you. And I think in our world today, especially we're in a a large city, we have a lot of big churches around. There are cities bigger than ours with churches bigger than ours. And I almost feel like there's a little bit of this mindset of I need to be where it's big and where it's loud and where it's bold. And yet here, your foundation was laid in a one room church with the same small handful of people. And yet when I look at the, the ripple effect of that foundation that your parents laid for you on a farm in (laughs) Missouri and how the, the, outreaching stretch mm-hmm. of your story because of their sweet little commitment to yep. be faith-filled parents as they raised you and your siblings. Yeah. It's so encouraging to me that it's worth the effort. Yeah. I mean, I think that it really doesn't matter how you choose to practice your faith. The important thing, the important thing is that you have faith and you practice it. Yeah. Um, that's so good. And I, I think about that one room church and the Bible studies I did there and all the things that I learned and all of that is important. It gives you the 99, but there still is something that has to be taught and sought out from inside of you that gives you that last 1% of faith. And I will say that during those hard times, that leap of faith is, was the critical part because you could just look back on all the tough things and want to just turn away from that. Mm-hmm. But if you can hold on to the faith, I feel like that gets you that gets you past the fog. Oh, that is so good, Brandon. Yes. <laughs> well, you should write that one down. <laughs> um, well, and I mean, I look I look back now and I'm like that was a chapter, but when I was in it, it felt oh, like it was yeah. just never going to end. Yeah. And so actually, you know, after my dad passed and we had a celebration of life, I was sick as a dog because we had just found out we were pregnant. Yeah. Right. And no one knew except for Jay and my parents. And 
So we had this wonderful celebration and then it starts to be positive, right? Like sun's sun starts to shine. And we had so many people at his celebration. The church was full. People were packed outside and he would have been really happy with that. And then, you know, I go along further in our pregnancy journey and every appointment I'm expecting bad news and it's more good news and more good Mm -hmm. news. And then we have a healthy baby boy. Um, of, of whom is such a firecracker now, but we named him after my dad and, um, and he is just such a wonderful reminder of that journey and of my dad and the joy that he brings us is just, it's such a blessing. And you've had another one since him. We have another one who also has, (laughs) um, my dad's name baked into his, um, as just a constant reminder, but I look forward to the days when I will be able to tell them stories about Mm -hmm. their grandpa Mm -hmm. and they will feel confident knowing that even from above, he is loving them fiercely. Yeah. I love that we, for anyone who goes to our church, we've just wrapped up a series on heaven Mm -hmm. and even just hearing your story today, I know I've heard it before and it still made me, I've heard it several times and it still made me tear up because I just know that this is, this isn't where we're going to stay. And just that promise of what's to come and the promise that your dad is there waiting. He's there worshiping Mm -hmm. right now and waiting and those little boys will see him one day. And uh, that's just, and I I even remember, I know that, I know that loss and death is sad and scary, but there was a peace that came over me because I knew where my dad was going yeah. and I knew he was pleased about going there. Yes. And I know he is a boss man up there right now. <laughs> I don't know what he's doing, but I know he's probably up to something big and great. Mm. And, um, and so I just find a lot of peace in that. Yeah. Well, you are someone who shines the light of Jesus. I love that that is kind of your, your promised verse because you you just emulate that in so many ways that through all of the ugly of life, you just continue to show this bright light of joy. And that's because Jesus is in you. So thanks for living that way, living it out. I definitely think that it's not me. It's him. People ask me all the time. I know you mentioned high capacity or, you know, when tough things happen, I shine light. But I have really, in the last many years here of different chapters of life, I've learned that it's not me at all. It's actually all him. And so I have tried to spend a little bit more time in stillness so that I can absorb and give those things to him, whether it's a good thing or a tough thing. And just when I do that, I feel like I get this peace and also kind of like a superpower suit Mm -hmm. to then go out and be more like the person that he intended me to be. And I I hope that that's the light that shines is it's not me at all. It's actually him. I love it. I love it. Well, there are two questions that I ask at the end of my podcast. And the first one's just kind of a fun one. What's something that Brandis loves? I love quality time. I'm loving this moment here because, you know, I'm getting to spend quality time with one of my dearest friends, but I love quality time with my family and friends. And I also love Pelotoning. It's been a newfound <laughs> love, which I know you can appreciate because you recently got one for your husband. Yeah. Uh-huh. But um, you know why I like that is because I'm knocking out 
two things at once. Uh So I know that you um, love how efficient and effective I am, but I feel like it's me time and I'm also getting my workout. So there's people on that screen that are pouring into me and pumping me up and, and also I get off and I'm, you know, sweaty and I feel accomplished. And so it's all of that wrapped into one and a little bit of competition and a a little bit of competition. Yep. So fun. Mm -hmm. And this is called the let it be podcast. So if there were one prayer, that in 2021, it doesn't have to be this year, but as we've entered a new year that you could have answered, what would it be? My prayer would be that regardless of what people are going through, that they know they're not alone, that God has got you and it's up to you to receive it. And, um, and so all you have to do is ask So, I mean, God's got you. And if you can rely on the people around you, I think that would be my prayer is just don't try to handle it all on your own. Love it. Let it be. Let it be. Thanks for coming on my podcast. I'm sure you'll be back because um, I'm sure I'm going to need a guest host for something. Yeah. Down the road. And we, it's so funny, Brandis, because after you did that one episode, I had so many people that were like, I could just listen to her all the time. She's so calming. And I know I was like, (laughs) oh, that's not usually a word I would use to describe her. I think that that's funny because do you know how you listen to yourself and you say, I hate Uh the sound of my voice, which Uh I'm sure you probably do too as a host. But I definitely feel that way. So I'm pleased to know that people feel that I'm put together and calm. That's yes. that's very satisfying. You got an A plus. <laughs> well, thanks again for Thank coming you. on my show. And thanks for being my friend. The pleasure's all mine. After we stopped recording, Brandis and I continued to talk for a few more minutes. And she had something that was really insightful and I asked her if she would share it. So if you'll hang with us for just a couple more minutes, there's part two of our conversation. Yeah. What I was sharing is that when I met the girls and they had experienced the loss of their mom, the one thing that I was committed to was to figure out the ways that we could keep her memory alive. And so we do all these unique things every year you know, to celebrate her, whether it's on her birthday, Mm -hmm. doing some of her favorite things or the day she passed and how we celebrate her on that day, or just continuing to talk about her and keep pictures of her around so that the conversation for them is always natural and that she can always feel present. But it, it really took on a new meaning for me after I lost my dad Mm -hmm. and I experienced that loss of a parent And I think it just made me a little bit more full of grace and understanding for what they experienced because while it was different, they, you know, were very young when they lost their mom and I had a lot more experiences with my dad, the loss and what you, you know, wish you would have had is the same. Mm -hmm. And so I just, right now I'm not exactly sure why those things happened to us. But I believe that, you know, God is writing our story to where, you know, that that has some meaning. And I'm just like putting faith in the fact that I'm going to be there for them for what they're experiencing. And I think a little bit better now because of what I experienced. Yeah, that's amazing. And even just to have that perspective that it's not for not. Yeah, there's a book and Andy would probably be ashamed if I that I can't remember who wrote it, but it it is called Don't Waste Your Suffering. Mm -hmm. And it's written from that perspective. And 
goodness, I, I know the author's wife, I think, died of cancer. And so that was kind of what he was coming from, mm-hmm. that for whatever reason, that is the circumstance that God laid before mm-hmm. him. And he did not want to waste that without using it to point people back to Jesus. Yeah. Or as yes. you said, to even be preparing you as a mom mm-hmm. to these girls who had experienced loss. Yep. You've never you've never been married without children. <laughs> I have not. And you really were a very young mom I to am. these girls. I mean, mm-hmm. you still are you still are young. But <laughs> when you got, when you you just start took on that role, you were very young. Yeah. So to even navigate that and then now to have that perspective with your own dad is just yep. it's really beautiful. So yep. thanks for sharing that. Mm-hmm. I wish all of you could know Brandis personally. She is one of the most joy-filled people I have ever met. And every day, she continues to live out grace through the grit of life. I referenced a book at the very end of our second conversation, and I wanted to make sure to give you the exact title. It's called Don't Waste Your Cancer by John Piper. It is a great challenge to each of us, regardless of what you're going through, to surrender all suffering to Jesus so that he can do what only he can do his perfect work of bringing beauty and redemption out of ashes. I hope no matter what your current circumstances are, you have been encouraged today by Brandis's story. Thank you for coming alongside us. Thanks for subscribing, rating, and sharing this podcast. It is so helpful when you do that because it allows more people to hear your stories. And as always, thanks for being part of the Let It Be podcast. You can stay up to date with me on all the social media platforms at Becky Ziegenfuss. That's Z-I-E-G-E-N-F-U-S-S. We'll be back right here next week.